Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Ooh, 17. Nice. No modifiers needed this time. Nope. Though, should we switch it to six-sided dice? I don't know. I was thinking that, but I, I like that we just keep using the D20. We're just going to keep using yeah. that D20. I like yeah. it. Okay. Well, we'd have to change it every time they switch game systems, right. so that could be pretty Ugh. frequent. It's a plus and a negative. Oh, God. What does that mean? Okay. <laughs> We're just confused every intro. We don't know. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to Kepler. We're in it for real this time. As if it weren't obvious enough, Griffin is so comfortable in this the, the game master seat. We immediately oh, yeah. have, like, yeah. setting, we have ambiance We have tone. He laid out that tone so perfectly. And can I jump in for a sec? Please. His sick voice is killing me. <laughs> it was really so deep and gravelly. I was like, whoa, I do not recognize this boy. Griffin, babe, I'm so sorry you're not feeling well, but it sounds real good. Right? I was like, damn, son. I'm informed that there were people on the internet who thought that they had hired a professional voice actor to do the <laughs> intro because they, they couldn't did. tell it was Griffin. His name is Griffin McElroy. <laughs> It was such a change. And at first I was just like, what? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, right, he's sick. And like he's my sick. voice goes a lot deeper when I'm sick. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my gosh. I sing a lot of Adele when I'm sick because I sound really good. Nice. <laughs> yeah, besides the feeling crappy part, let's be sick all the time. Our voices are great. <laughs> just keep coughing in each other's faces. Just keep it going like a cycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's my suggestion to make us always sound it. real good. All right, so we've got our tone, we've got our ambiance. Mm-hmm. We get the setting. Yeah, like we know immediately that there's this this gate in the woods. I love that we started off with Duck's vision. What a perfect way to mm-hmm. kind of kick this off. Right, and it all just ties in. So yeah, well. it pays off immediately having Duck be this prophetic person. Yeah, although I, I should point out that the game actually requires them to start the mystery. Like, I mean, they could have done the characters in a different order, but if you were the chosen one, you, you that you must start the beginning mm. of a new mystery with the vision. So, oh, um, and and, and the, the results of the accuracy of the vision is determined by how good your role is. So that's why he had a vague oh. vision because it was a seven to nine. So it was a mixed success. If he had failed that role, then something bad would have happened. Oh, no. Like, he would have, like... Well, I, I don't know. It just says something bad. So I think that's kind of up to the, the keeper in this case, or the, the, the GM. Something bad. He gets fired for sleeping on the job. Yeah, or, like, his boss walks in. He's drooled all over his face. Or you're, you're driving your car, and you have a vision, and you black out and crash into a tree, something, something oh, like that. Oh, damn. <laughs> and took it real bad. dark real fast. Well, it depends how fast you're driving. And I mean, we're trying to have a good time over here. <laughs> the rest of us are like, oh, he has, like, sleep scars on his face from where he put his head down on his sleeve. And, like, and then he died. I've been reading the Keeper agenda, so I've been reading the stuff that that, uh, is in Griffin's book that he has to do. That's fair. Um, And one of them is is that he has to make uh, the characters' lives dangerous and scary. So, Mm. you know, you you, you have to be a fan of of the characters, but you also have to give them a hard time. Yeah. But I like Mm -hmm. that, that that's a thing in this game, that it's the danger has to exist. Like, it's just part of the system itself. Yeah. I think we're going to get a lot of interesting results from that. So, well, luckily for Duck, Uh, he got a mixed success. And so he did at least get that vision that there's something out in the woods. 
and he is woken from his vision by a call about a fire and some disruptive noises at a campsite that he has to go investigate. Which immediately you're like, okay, here we go. Horror movie 101. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't go. Just don't do it. Doug, just go home. I feel, you have to. It's your job. <laughs> no, I'm going home. When it's your job, you gotta do it. I'm out. <laughs> I quit. I'm gonna go home. But he doesn't quit his job on the spot. He does go over mm-hmm. there, and luckily it isn't anything too bad. It's a parking camp, lot five, at 6 p.m. Whoa. The RV's trash. <laughs> Listen to this, nerd. I love I it. I took a lot of notes. <laughs> You're going, like, full L.A. Noir on this. I love it. It's terrific. Oh, totes. I started taking, like, very copious notes. because like, I don't know what's going to become important later. That's fair. So... Like duck monitors tree growth and health. Griffin is at the helm again, so you never know what right. little things are going to end up playing a role later. And see, I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. I've got my notes. <laughs> it's got to be on your toes. So Duck finds the campsite he's looking for, and he finds the RV, and there is a fire outside. The RV isn't on fire. I do like that he doesn't try to do anything about the fire. <laughs> well, it was it was contained. Right, because to me it okay. sounded like... Bernie, you know those big bonfires we used to have on Chicken Pock Rock? Oh, for sure. Of course. So I figured it was something like that, where essentially mm-hmm. you just put a bunch of brush and, like, it's a huge fire, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You're only going to get My hurt sisters. if you're little Nell Bailey and you accidentally walk on some coals and then you scream and run into the water because you just burned <laughs> the shit out of your feet. Other than that, you're fine. Yeah, and Griffin does say that it's burned down at that point is not really like a bonfire. It's not burning out of control. And then I think he's almost immediately fairly distracted by someone trying to shoot him. Um, Yeah, that's going to be the bigger threat. Hearing (laughs) the sound of somebody fumbling with the gun. And then the gun actually does, like, I think he calls out, right? And then the gun goes off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luckily, he doesn't get shot. And they are immediately (laughs) apologetic. So it ends up being a very funny scenario. But for a moment... You're kind of like, oh, geez, we're diving right in here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering, do they? I I can't help but assume these boys don't know a whole whole bunch about guns, because I feel I like, know. yeah, I mean, a shotgun blast either would, would ricochet onto her pretty bad, or would have blasted would, through, like, have the knocked door that anyway. door completely off. Was <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that door would be gone. But, I mean. I'm not a gun aficionado either. Certainly, so right. If you're listening and you know your guns, <laughs> let us know. If you're the Mythbusters, uh... yeah, would a shotgun right? blast? If you happen to have an old RV, get yourself a shotgun. <laughs> Go run some tests for us, Go please, try to and things, and get back to us. Did those shells just knock that shit right off its hinges? Thanks. Uh, but this is where we meet a character who ends up being named Pigeon. So we have Duck and Pigeon. Which is the cutest thing. I it's think everybody adorable. fell for that pretty much immediately. <laughs> I love uh, uh. this pairing of names. P.S. I'm going to take a quick sidebar here. And I just want to uh, just want to share with everybody. As we were starting this episode, I was kind of trying to imagine how I pictured Duck. Because with the first one, with the setup, I had an immediate idea of what Aubrey looked like. And of course, we knew immediately yeah. what uh, Ned looked like. But I was like, <laughs> what does Duck look like to me? How do I want this guy to look? And just even in the preliminary steps, I ended up coming around to thinking, I feel like I'm settling close to like a Jesse McCree from Overwatch kind of look. And he's the cowboy, if anybody knows of Overwatch but doesn't mm-hmm. actually play. He's the handsome cowboy. And so I was Has like... Has he got the I, like triangle beard? Is that is that the cowboy guy? 
Because like, he he's got a beard, right? <laughs> does he, he does have, have a beard. A beard. Okay. He often has a cigar <laughs> in his mouth. He's scruff more. He, okay. He's scruffy, but he's got a beard. I remember there being a hat. <laughs> oh, and yeah, you got him. That's McCree. So that was where I had settled on, you know, how I was going to kind of picture him. And then Justin did his voice, and he gave him that drawl, and I was like, oh, Justin and I are already on the same page. Perfect. <laughs> So that's my quick sidebar. We can hop back into the adventures of Duck and Pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch that children's show. (laughs) I I was going to say, is that the new, like, uh, just little animated? I'm like Nick Nick Jr. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm making a note to myself right now to do a quick little cute gif of Duck and Pigeon. (laughs) Right. Duck and Pigeon on their way to find their friend Pete, who's still lost in the woods. Right. She's missing her friend Pete. So this is where we get some story here, and we get a bit of the mystery that is afoot here in Kepler. Um, Anne. Yes. Are these, are all Monster of the Week's, like, mysteries set up? What do you mean, like, set up? Like, there's a mystery like, to Like, is uncover? that the intention is to be, like, solve this mystery situation? Yeah, I mean... Or is it just... No, I mean, it is literally this monster. monster of the Week. I mean, the reason they call it that, it's a term from television. Um, right, right. That, you know, I mean, shows like mostly the X-Files, you know, there would, be, there would be a monster in one episode, and whatever happened in that episode was, like, a box episode. It would only uh-huh. uh, be contained in that, so you'd have one monster you were fighting, and that was the story. It's the same concept. So you... When you're the keeper, you you set out knowing what the mystery is, you know what the monster is, you know what its goals are, um, you know all the details, you know about the minions, you have a very specific set of things, and your characters have a very specific set of like motivations, I guess, to, to, to investigate that. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that is your job, is to investigate this, this mystery, mm-hmm. find the monster, and stop it. Cool. Okay. I'm down. We should totally play this at some point. <laughs> right? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. It. And like in, in terms of them, um, when Justin is, uh, well, when Duck is, is interviewing Pigeon and, and ask, wants to ask these questions yeah. about the monster. Um, and they do, they do mention it briefly that um, you get a role and then you have a hold and that those, those hold points, I guess, effectively, that those numbers translate into questions that you can ask. But you have a, right. you have a list of questions, and you can only ask those questions, unless you have, uh, mm-hmm. I think, a 12. If you have a 12, then you can ask non-pre-prescribed questions. So I like this. So it sounds like there's a nice amount of structure, so that even if yeah. you're the game runner, it isn't completely overwhelming. And then yeah. if you're the game players, you have a structure, and it's not a completely open world, like, where do I even start kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, I think Justin was maybe struggling with it a little bit, not in terms of yeah. understanding it, but I think he wanted it to be a little more natural because the questions are kind of, they sound a little bizarre. You know, it, it, it's, they're okay. not what you would say in a conversation. And you notice, like, his second question um, to Pigeon, he, he about where he's asking about where the monster went, he doesn't read the verbatim right. question from, from the sheet. He's trying to, like, mix it up, and then Griffin has to check and make sure that was what he meant. But I'm hoping that moving forward that they'll mm-hmm. all be comfortable enough with, you know, the they'll way that you of... investigate that they can make it more natural. I'm sure they will. It sounds, you know, even with little fumbles like that, it's all stuff you totally expect in this first kind of step into into starting a new game. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so we do learn from her. Um, we get kind of a description of what she saw, which I ha- apparently was a patchwork bear with a horn on its shoulder. But with patchwork fur. Right. That's where I got hung up. on its shoulder. <laughs> I'm trying to... I can't, I can't, I can't visualize that. I just think of like flannel or like a weird quilt. <laughs> it's just, it's a so flat like, bear. So like, was he sewn together? 
I yeah. think a quilting oh my God, bee that'd be great. got loose That's my favorite and they all piled <laughs> up onto each other and they're running loose in the woods. See, and I was thinking like end of a Kara, but with monsters, like just all mm. consuming each other, kind of like a giant monster blob. Um, Once again, <laughs> here comes yeah, Anne. Here I go dark again. It way I don't know. worse. <laughs> Hey, I'm a horror fan. That's that's just the way yeah, my brain works. Yeah, no, this is good. This is perfect. This is the attitude we need. So Pigeon describes this monster, and it explains why she has this fire burning to try to keep it away. We know Pete's still out in the woods. And then even her last message for Duck, being like, no, if you're going to go looking for Pete, there's something in these woods, and you have to take this gun. That's the spookiest. It's so spooky, and it sold me so hard on this entire thing. Not that I wasn't already all in, but that was the moment I literally paused the show and almost like made this giant tweet that was just like, everybody, stop whatever the <laughs> hell you're doing. Listen to this podcast. I'm gonna want. It's going to be great. I'm going to want to talk to everybody about it. I refrained and just continued listening, but I was real hype at that point. So just before Duck leaves, mm-hmm. he brings up again the fire. And I couldn't help but notice that, like, he seems pretty, you know, he's very tree-oriented. Justin had brought up, like, he takes care of them, makes sure they're healthy, all that good stuff. And immediately was um, against fire because of care for trees. That's what I have written. (laughs) I'm very good at taking notes. And I was wondering how that will play out with Lady Flame. And there she goes, our Lady Flame. Here's the picture as I see it painted. We have, of course, that really great last moment with... Pigeon giving Duck this warning and handing him this gun. And I picture it as then, like, the camera shows both of them, and then it, like, is a wide shot of the setting, and we see the flame, and we see the fire kind of burning out, and then that cuts to Lady Flame doing her show in this uh, ski lodge, I think is where she's Yeah, at. you could do, if this For was a movie, sure. you, could, you could do a cool transition. That's why you would do it. Mm-hmm. The fire would take us there. We're going to storyboard <laughs> this shit out. There's, there's a running theme of, of fire safety in this first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I may have to make some, uh, some fake concerned. fire safety posters with Duck, uh, <laughs> duck on please the top. Oh, yes. And I, I have to admit, I am extremely disappointed that I, I know that the, the whole um, magician thing came from uh, Travis having gone to uh, Max FunCon East. Oh, yeah. And that uh, the lodge there, which is, in fact, up in the mountains. I mean, it's in Pennsylvania, yeah. but it's not it's not actually that far from West it's Virginia. So it's kind of, yeah, it's similar, similar terrain, honestly. But um, I went to Max Fun East the year after them, and I did not see a magician in the lobby, and I'm quite Damn. disappointed. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there were any pyrotechnics involved in, in mm-hmm. the act that he saw. Probably not. But there's no pyrotechnics at all involved in podcasting, so I'm fairly disappointed that I didn't get to see this <laughs> this act. And I love that he, he wove it into his show, into his character. Yeah, it's cool that it was such mm-hmm. an inspiration. Because, yeah, we find Aubrey here, and we... My note here says I relate to Aubrey so much just because even the way Travis lays it out, like, she's just, she's trying. Like, here's her crowd. Nobody's really paying attention, but she knows her shit. She's going to do it anyway. And hopefully she can g- catch some audience oh attention God. here. That sounds like any of my in-services. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's like, damn it, I'm trying, guys. We know how you feel, Aubrey. We got you. <laughs> Who would have thought the beautiful punk magician punk what what's the other one goth goth punk magician would be the most human of us (laughs) naturally (laughs) well and lest we forget her uh soundtrack is uh the prince of egypt which but like done by skrillex Skrillex (laughs) the prince of egypt which i love for a couple of reasons because 
One, great movie, mm-hmm. great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Also, though, the minute he said that, it gave me so much more dimension to her because immediately it painted to me that she is not only a goth and a punk, she's also a fucking nerd. <laughs> and I, like, we know this person. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I hung out with this person <laughs> in high school. I totally, I get who Aubrey is. And if someone can please make her the soundtrack she uses, mm-hmm. I would please. love them forever. Because, yeah, Prince of Egypt, no joke, I wrote, like, all cats, Prince of Egypt, fuck yes, amazing soundtrack. <laughs> it's, it's the best. Like, we use it all the time for D&D, and I'm like, oh, this is the part where the bush is burning. Oh, this is the part where, like, and I know each step of it, because, yeah, so good. I would I would like to just go straight to someone actually basing their magic act off of this because this is a great act. This is this is really good powder. Like this would it's be a awesome. Really good act. And the, you know the fire magic stuff that I mean mm-hmm. not the real magic that we see later, but this um, you know stuff with flash paper. You can really do that. I mean, like if you go on YouTube, there are some videos. Some of it's DIY, and you should definitely not try it because it goes pretty badly. And even the people who are demonstrating set some stuff on fire. But <laughs> it is real. You can like have playing cards that just go up in smoke in the middle of your act it's pretty rad it sounds rad and while she's doing that lighting cards on fire we notice a person enters the inn who catches aubrey's eye and why wouldn't she she sounds amazing griffin describes her as a larger woman and quick sidebar i appreciate that griffin starts saying she's an older well not older woman mid 50s Mm -hmm. (laughs) bless your sweetheart griffin um, but so this clearly very impressive woman walks in and has kind of caught Aubrey's attention while she's doing her act. And you can, I could picture it very clearly, her like trying to pay attention and keep doing her illusions, um, but kind of focusing a bit on this woman who has just walked in. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a weird exchange, right? That she's she's come in to sell this this really elaborate wooden elk. Uh, to oh, deliver right. it to the to the hotel, which is a strange, like, what is going on in this town? <laughs> this, um, strange, strange women in, in tattered dusters selling selling sculptures to uh, to hotel managers. It, it, the whole thing seems a little strange and suspicious, and like something that would stand out in the context That's of this true. vacation resort. I mean, it sounds like a town I want to be a part of. But Aubrey <laughs> notices her to the point that she, when she's looking for a volunteer, she tries to even call her up. Does does Trav roll for this? I can't remember. No, he didn't roll for it. Okay. He just, yeah. I mean, they could have, but she, I think Griffin was not having any of it, so there wasn't going to be any roll. <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> so instead, she brings up the birthday boy. We learned that there's a kid's birthday there. Which I liked this moment, too, because we get some empathy from Aubrey. We get some yeah. some kindness from her. I like that. But when mm-hmm. she the kid is nervous. I and find she... Aubrey... So relatable. That's the theme of this show. I think just like her, her love for Doctor Harris Bonkers. Like she has to make sure he's okay. And yeah, like it's gonna be okay, kid. And just I don't know. She she really resonates with me. Yeah, I feel like we get so much of her character somehow, even with just this short. I mean, it feels like a short opening episode where we're just seeing a bit from each of them. I feel like we get so much from her. Mm-hmm. But then. As her trick goes, she does it really well, but, like, too well. <laughs> eh, I was going to say, I don't know if almost blowing up a kid is really well, but... That, to me, sounds She definitely great. is impressive. Yes. Like, that's when everyone kind of like, whoa, then whoa! Yeah, the, the kids love it. I mean, that's which they counts. would. This is, <laughs> this is fantastic. The curtains are on fire. You got to play to your audience, babe. 
so when the curtains go on fire, this Travis does roll for. Yes. To see if he can, if Aubrey can contain it, which is a thing that they kind of debate for a minute of if it's something she would have planned for before, which I love that Travis like, she definitely has a fire extinguisher. Of course, mm-hmm. that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with this. But fire safety again. That's when he <laughs> rolled a fail, right? That's when he failed on the fire extinguisher. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> but then I think he rolled to try to contain it. Yeah, he rolled. He rolled use magic because uh, Justin right. made a, a very clever joke that I think none of them got, and maybe you guys didn't get. I because didn't. They Griffin, made some joke that I was like, yeah. "This is over my head." Because Griffin Griffin says use magic, which is a weird roll, and Justin goes, "What's weird about it?" And I don't think anybody oh. got it. You, it's no, you roll I got plus that. Weird with a capital W, right. which is one of the the game aspects, not weird like it's not a weird role like a wacky role it's a it's a weird role with a capital w oh right no i totally i picked up on that he's being what we call a dick but a fun one you boys and your goofs i didn't want that joke to be unappreciated thank you (laughs) but yeah i'm really into the the outcome of what happens with this that um that they have this discussion about whether or not the lady flame has had something spooky happened with yeah. her with her magician's act before um and that the answer is you know well that travis comes up with this backstory that maybe when she was a child that things would sometimes get out of control um and then to control this flame that he's able to uh, aubrey is able to to kind of make the flames retreat i like the idea of her not just being sort of a an amped up pyromaniac but with magic yeah. but that she's more like a, a fire whisperer well, that yeah. she can control mm-hmm. these flames and speak to them in some way like she's a firebender she's from the fire nation yeah <laughs> see i did never watch avatar so Ooh, that was good. not where i went but yeah <gasps> that is accurate <laughs> listen when this is all done the boys will watch gravity falls and Anne, if she finds time can watch avatar we'll all be good <laughs> and it played in it's so good because it's so smooth in Showing her abilities, showing she has magic, and for our imposing woman friend to notice this as well. Yeah. Right. Because then when those curtains do go up and everybody does run from this inn and this woman is who did notice, like you said, already an interesting character and then calls her to the side because she noticed Aubrey wasn't just starting fire. She was almost communicating with it. And then Aubrey mm-hmm. has a gun pulled Yeah, on and this her. is in it. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but, but this is such an elegant plot device. You know, I hate to call it that because I'm already into this character. I think she's cool. Like, Griffin loves a, a large country woman. And, and so I, love I think it. she's a great character. <laughs> but not only does this extract Aubrey from the situation that could have gone south pretty fast, but it also establishes... That we have some concept of there's there's something more going on here than just this monster because Mama makes reference to the gate that we saw before and then she also says didn't anybody tell you the rules so mm-hmm. there's something yeah, going there's on a here a lot more going on than just some monster is out and we have to find it there's like an underlying current of a whole bunch of supernatural stuff happening here. And I'm into it. My prediction is Mama is an original hunter. Mm. She knows her shit. An OH. She's probably fond of a certain person we know as Ned. Ooh, yeah. Do you think? I think. Are you shipping it already? She's got weird stuff. (laughs) She's, oh, for sure. Um, Well, you know, she's wheeling and dealing her own situations. I thought you were going to say her own 
sculptural animals. She probably sells them to Ned and his curiosity <laughs> shop. No, I think she'll like compare. Like maybe they have, um, maybe they have an ongoing like challenge. Like, ooh, I got this much for this piece of weird stuff. I got this. I love this. I always love a competition. So maybe the scene transition between Mama and Ned kind of hints at that. Because we do find ourselves now at the Cryptonomica. And I feel like in the setup episode, we got the most information on Ned. Ned felt the most rounded out to me in that setup episode. And then with this middle ep- or with this episode, we got so much on Aubrey. And closing out here with Ned, I feel like it gave us just enough. Like we learned so much from him mm-hmm. in the setup we didn't need a whole bunch. Like, he's pretty well established. He's already kind of our, I think, our gate here into whatever weird things are going to be happening next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that they set up that the Cryptonomica is right at the entrance of Kepler, because mm-hmm. in my brain it was, like, kind of deep, weirdly in it. And so that's, I think, even better that, like, it announces Kepler. Yeah. Like, hey, welcome. We're kind of weird. Right. Which in itself feels like a front. Like, if you know that there's something genuinely weird going on, paint it as being kooky and weird in a way that nobody really believes you. Mm-hmm. Look at my weird little curio <laughs> shop. Buy some cheap souvenirs. Even though Ned knows there's, there's some truth to this. Well, but does he, though? Because... Th- because Clint does mention that, that he doesn't really believe that any of this stuff is real. True. I think the only thing I'm thinking of is the. It sounds like a sword. Like when Kirby, who yeah, adorable name, which must be which must be Duck's Duck's weapon. Because if you may exactly. remember, that Duck Duck has well, a, that's has exactly a what I was thinking of. Right. But yeah. Like yeah. he knows something. At least one thing in that shop is has something going on with it. Because he's holding on to Duck's weapon, which I took to be the thing that Kirby pointed out when um yes. he learned that. Right. Ned oh, needs to sure. make some money to uh to not get evicted. Mm-hmm. And that was his suggestion. Sell some of his stuff. Uh, can we talk about Kirby for a second? And that he chose literally the worst cola ever hey. to drink. Oh no. Oh Anne. Oh no. You are you are gonna be banned from the South. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. I'm stepping out of this fight. <laughs> It's so oh it gives it's got that metal aftertaste no I can't what is he even drinking I don't remember it's R- RC, RC cola <laughs> otherwise known as Royal Crown Royal when they, Crown when they cola. couldn't call it cola because Coke sued them for the cola term so this is like RC cola this is a huge huge Southern thing like it's Here we go. it's they uh they they started in Georgia just like Coke did but um basically the the guy who came up with RC thought he was getting screwed over by Coke, uh, who were selling him all their syrup. And he's like, hey, I'm selling a ton of this stuff. You should give me a discount or a commission. And Coke was like, I don't think so. So the dude invented a different drink in his basement. That's why it has that metallic aftertaste. And weirdly, like, <laughs> no, initially it was ginger ale before it was a before it was a cola drink. Um, but huh. But he he became their company became incredibly successful for a while. It was it was it was definitely a competitor with like Coke and Pepsi. They they pioneered selling drinks in metal cans. They pioneered selling them in sixteen ounce bottles. Um, oh, this is a big and deal. Why do you know this? Like I love that you do. <laughs> why? Because I am a southerner, <laughs> even though Kentucky is, is this questionable. In your... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is part of the school curriculum in the South. I once played Trivial Pursuit with my cousin who had a PhD, and I was barred from ever playing with her again, and this was when I was in middle school, <laughs> so that's what my deal is. <laughs> I just imagine, like, in the movie in my mind, Anne, middle school Anne, who looks the exact same as she does now, just smaller, <laughs> she is playing against a doctor, and then, like, smash cut to her being thrown out of the house. <laughs> With her full that's pie. That's how scenes in my mind happen. But you should, you should look up the, the history of rc cola it is it is a <laughs> it is a, a roller coaster i actually don't think i have to i'll just listen to this podcast again <laughs> got it there's there's more to it that i'm gonna i'm gonna tangent into but but you okay. should know that it is an important southern tradition to have an rc cola and a moon pie so okay. if you're if you're in the south you have to you have to try that combination you might like it better i am with the writing moon pie. this down and if i ever end up in the south See, I'm a northerner. This is this is where that divide is. We've gotten wildly off track here. Oh, for sure. And another quick question, though. Oh, Jesus. Is, um, this should be quick. Uh, the voice that Clint works in, which I love, is that like a Brian Blessed voice? Is that what he sounds like? Uh, or? Kind, kind of. I would say it's Brian Blessed influence, but it doesn't really sound like him exactly i don't think he's trying to do okay. an impression if that's what you're asking no but okay, i mean it's perfect. sort of in the same vein i would say mm-hmm. um that kind of like sort of it's, boisterous I, it fits the character too yeah T. like i could see yeah. him so well let's talk more about our boy ned honestly one of my favorite things is how he keeps going to the shop oh museum museum like i just thought that was so cute <laughs> that was cute and that like, was a good that was a character good so well that he's the crooked that you know trying to get more out of people than he gives and i don't know i yeah. thought that was such a good play yeah that little bit of business tells you a lot about ned and what kind of person he is and it was nice mm-hmm. to get to get a, a description of of what the shop was like it, it actually yeah. sounds a lot like the real there are two real cryptozoology museums that are basically this kind of concept that it's sort of a storefront and it, you know, glass cases, and it's kind of done like a museum, but also you can buy stuff. Of course. <laughs> Wouldn't that be mm-hmm. nice? So, yeah, I, I think this is a, a great scene. Yeah, with that description, I was like, I would spend at least eight hours and probably $300, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> yeah, I would, if there was real merchandise for the for the Cryptonomica, I would buy that, especially mm-hmm. that like a spinner, a fidget spinner with Bigfoot on it. That's <laughs> oh definitely, gosh. that's the one I want. I'm going to design that one. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> And I, I like this relationship with Kirby, too, of, of you know, because just throwing another character in there. I mean, I think they kind of had to so that Clint had somebody to talk to instead of him just describing what was happening. Like, yeah. it gives him something to play off of with his character. Yeah. But I'm really into this town having, well, still having zines, for one thing, because into I guess because they're in this radio quiet zone and, and they can't. He, so, he, like, oh, otherwise yeah. Kirby would be a podcaster or something. But I like him having this old school like one page newsletter about cryptids in the area yes. and using that to pull people in to hook them to try to yeah generate interest yeah and kind of channel people in he reminds me so i know a lot of people thought of um ned sounding like grunkle stan and then yeah. kirby reminded me of ronaldo almost only not to the point where you <laughs> kind of want to throw him out a window <laughs> ronaldo from uh steven universe for anybody who might not know I was going more lone gunman. Oh, Maybe I'm not sure which one. Well, Langley's the best. Like one. kind of an amalgam, yeah. I know Langley is the best. <laughs> Langley's one. of course the best one. Listen, here's a <laughs> here's a fun note for everybody listening to this show. I have only seen very few episodes of the X Men, but somehow always caught episodes with the X-Files. lone gunman. Uh, that's the one I meant. <laughs> I've seen very few episodes of the X Files, but I somehow caught 
All of the ones with the lone gunmen. And so I think they're great. They're my favorite part of the X-Files and the X-Men. You have to watch their, their short-lived <laughs> spinoff series now. I Gunman. did. I was thrilled about their short-lived <laughs> spinoff series, and I was very upset when it was canceled. As was I. <laughs> and and now the, the spooky can live on. It though. lives the, on. The kind of awkward, geeky spooky yeah, can live on. I like it. I'll go with that. Because, yeah, Ronaldo kind of <laughs> drives me nuts, but I love the lone gunmen. So that's that's I'm hopping onto that ship now. <laughs> All right. When he tells uh, Clint to dress as Bigfoot, because he's admitting, like, I don't believe in this stuff either, but it is good for business. It's fun to write about, what have you. <laughs> and he's like, you know, hey, we'll do this. Put on your, put on, what does he say? Like, put on your furry gloves or. Chewy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, and Ned and brings Clint up goes the with Chewy, chewy costume. costume, which, okay, so this, <laughs> <laughs> there are, um, there are tons of cryptids in Alaska. And one of our favorites nice. is the Hairy Man. And it's Horrifying. basically a takeoff of Bigfoot, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, focused here. And my friend, who we uh, worked in a very small village, and at Halloween, he's like, oh, I'm going to get a Bigfoot costume and kind of walk around. And he was like, oh, no, I'm going to get shot. Like, I, I was about to say, does your friend want to get <laughs> shot? Because that is my yeah, understanding no. of anything in Alaska. <laughs> he was going to hide under his porch and, like, grab Jesus. kids. Oh, no. Figure, yeah, no, definitely would get shot. So we, we, we negged that. But it yeah, made me think of that idea. immediately. So I'm like, oh, Ned. So, like, so Brittany's theory out, is that Ned friend. is going to get got shot. Done now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm now we have to hope that this is not how, how, I mean, obviously we know Duck and Ned have already met, but that's not how they're, he's reintroduced into the storyline. Is Duck's out looking for this missing guy and this monster and sees him in a chewy costume and takes his shot first. I have a scene. I'm going to paint another scene for us here. I'm so Next glad. episode opens with Ned being rushed on a stretcher to the emergency room. We step back to a sign that says 45 minutes earlier, and it's him clambering through the woods like a dumbass in his Wookiee suit. Duck, of course, wielding a gun. But that's that's the opening scene, him being rushed to the hospital. Hey, you, you were accusing me of going too dark. <laughs> He's shooting a main character fine. in the second episode. He'll be fine. It's fine. Okay, ladies. My final question, probably not my final, but deal with me here. Um, do you think that the big bad, the main <laughs> event, if you will, is going to be a Bigfoot character? I Okay, so this is kind of where I was hoping we would go to kind of start wrapping things up here, was to see if we had any kind of like updated theories on what the monster is here. So here's my thought, was the way Pigeon described it, since she's described it as a patchwork bear with a horn or something on its shoulder, it almost sounds to me like something skeletal wearing oh. furs that it put together. Oh. So that's my thought. I'm getting I'm getting like Hannibal vibes from this now. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> yeah. It does ooze black. Ooh, true. That is, is also true. very Hannibal. Yeah. If so. you watch the Hannibal show. I don't know. I think... I think weirdly, like, I know this is Monster of the Week, and I do love a good monster, but I'm honestly, I'm more interested in not just the monster, but what this storyline is with Mama and and Mm. chastising somebody who can actually use magic for being so far from the gate. So, like, what is up with this weird stone gate? Okay, so Um, that's kind of where you're focused. This is not a... Yeah, because this is not a typical a typical thing. I mean, if this was in the UK, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, some old stone circle or something. But we don't we don't <laughs> right. really have we don't those have here. a bunch mm-hmm. of like 
old monuments. Can we start building them? Yes, and like please. pretend like they've been here for a long time, <laughs> or just start building them, and then in fifty years we're like, ooh, that weird <laughs> stone arch. Mm-hmm. Well, Brittany, what do you think it is? Like, what's your updated take on the monster? I don't. I can't. I can't even hazard a guess at this point because I feel like <laughs> Bigfoot is too. It's too mainstream, just like they said. Um, yeah, he's so like, and I know I love the idea. Now I can't get it out of my head about a skeletal something. Mm-hmm. Wearing, oh, okay. So yeah, we'll just I don't be know what that horror show wearing right. other furs. There we go. That's going to be in my nightmares this week. You're welcome. Well, and I would like to take this moment to uh, shout out my boy Jacob, who gave his thought of what the monster might be, and his might be updated now too. But based on the setup episode, Jacob thought it might be a land shark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that many people watched the uh, the SNL sketch and thought, oh, man, that's super terrifying. But yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I, that that could be cool. That kind of like tremors a little bit, but with sharks, I like it. Wait, is that not a real thing? Was a land shark? What land shark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't know about land shark? I guess I don't. It's an SNL sketch. Say, you're a youngin. Oh. You're not supposed to know. <laughs> okay, so the land shark is a goof. What did it? What does it look like then? I imagine like a shark under the ground. No, it's just I. You have to see the bit, I think. I know. I feel like we're going to ruin it <laughs> okay. if we just describe it. Okay. No, it's just like the doorbell rings and it's like, who is it? And he goes, land shark. And it's just a guy in a shark suit. <laughs> That's the whole bit. Like, it's not. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. I got played on my own podcast. Okay. Well, after this, I'm going to go check that out. And you're going to leave your mic on so we can hear it. <laughs> That's what I'll do. That'll be my bonus content. I'll, after this, when we close this episode, I'll go watch it. I'll record my reaction and share it with everybody. <laughs> Is there anything else we missed in the uh, in the course of the show that we might want to discuss now? Um, I want to bring up Toboggan Gate. Oh, <laughs> please. Yes. Yeah, so folks may have seen that um, and may have noticed. So in the, in the description of Pigeon, Griffin says that she's wearing a toboggan. Uh, meaning a mm-hmm. winter hat with, and, and it, he specifies that it has ear flaps, not that it matters, yeah. but it's a winter hat. Um, and a bunch of people were like, what are you talking about? Because they had never heard the word toboggan to Did refer they... to a winter hat. So we would presume so... people thought that she was wearing like a, a sled. The sled, yeah. So basically the story with this and the misunderstanding, uh, toboggan is regional. Griffin didn't know this, um, but it, it is regional to the south. Uh, okay. Apparently because, so the original, the hats used to be called like toboggan caps because people wore them when they were on the sleds because it was sure. cold. And you can tie yeah. them and they're not going to go flying off. Oh. Right. But the theory is that in the South, because it almost never so- snows, people didn't really have this strong association with people on a toboggan sledding. So they dropped, they dropped the cap part and it just became toboggan. But there are a bunch of other regional terms for winter hats that I didn't know existed until I tried to find out exactly what the region was um, that that came up with this term and how. So I did research on Twitter. I I submitted my my, uh, I submitted my followers to a poll about what they call winter hats, and it's a little imperfect because you can only have four options. Mm -hmm. But I gave them the option of beanie, uh, toboggan, other, which would be you know, just specify what it is or the Canadian term, um, which is either, uh, see, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up the French, but it's, it's toque, uh, oh, or yeah. toque. 
Uh, and that's that's specifically like a Canadian term, although not exclusively. Mm-hmm. So the final results are in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got sixty five percent beanie, seventeen percent okay. for toque, and most people said toque and not toque. Fourteen uh, percent for toboggan and four percent for other, and almost all of those people said they either call it a winter hat or a winter ha- cap. Um, oh. And had never heard any other specialized term for it. A lot really? of people said that they had never heard toboggan. Um, so I think it was, you know, that was not really what we called them in Kentucky that I recall, but I had heard the term, so I knew what it meant. I listened to the episode and I knew what he meant when he yeah. said she was mm-hmm. wearing a toboggan. And Agreed. then I saw his tweets later. I was like, oh, yeah. well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound, if you've never heard it before, it does sound super weird. Sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for enlightening us, and I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can get at us anytime over on Twitter, at RomancingZone. And until next week, I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we have been Romancing the Zone. (laughs) 